and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. All right, well, God bless you guys. You can go ahead and turn to James 4. I brought some props today. These are magnets, in case you didn't know. They're not just metal blocks. And what do magnets do? They attract. They stick together, right? Just like these. Uh, well, they sometimes stick together, and sometimes, hang on, sometimes they don't stick together. I don't know why these keep sticking together. Sometimes they repel, right? Yeah. Oh, like that. Yep, I can't get those to stick. Um, each magnet has a positive and negative pull. There's laws involved with magnets, right? Yeah. There's scientific, it's like electromagnetic, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to understand it. Um, but what's cool about magnets is like, if I set this one up here, they keep sticking to each other. If I move this one closer, eventually this one catches up. Eventually this one gets in the magnetic field and it pulls itself like that. I don't know if that's easy to see on the camera or not. Um, and we can use these laws, these physical laws, these scientific laws, to benefit our lives. For example, uh, this microphone right here, it has magnets in it, right? This microphone right here does too. Uh, you guys listening at home, if you're listening on speakers, or I guess if you're not listening on speakers, you're not listening to me at all. Um, but if you're listening on speakers, those have magnets in them, right? We harness these physical laws. We have electricity running through this house, and because of that, we have lights, we have power. Um, we harness combustion, that's how you got here, that's how you drove here, right? Um, this magnet, um, so this is the new iPhone, I don't mean to brag. Um, <laughs> this new phone, I don't know if you think it's a cool feature or not, but it has a magnet in the back. So I can stick it to this charger and it charges like that. So that's kind of neat. Um, in most cases, I don't know what the difference between that and just plugging in the bottom is. But what I like to use it for is I have it mounted on my dashboard. And so I can just stick it to that and it charges and I have my GPS and everything right there. Let me make sure that's on silent. Um, so, as I, it's sitting there on my dashboard, and as I move it closer, it connects, it locks in, and I'm tapped into that power. Let's go to James 4. There's the physical laws, but the spiritual laws are even greater. So James 4, 8, this is going to be our theme verse tonight. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Just like those magnets, as you get them closer, as one starts to get closer, the other one jumps and connects. 
If I had really strong magnets, I could probably have them across the room and eventually they would snap to each other. Um, Mike's been watching Breaking Bad and there's a really cool episode with magnets <laughs> in Breaking Bad. Um, it's a law, uh, this, this spiritual law. It's you draw nigh to God and he is going to draw nigh to you. That word nigh is old English. We don't use that. It's you go close to God. You, you walk up to God and he's going to walk to you, right? You're going to get close. And then the second part says, uh, cleanse your, your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, which when I read sounds kind of scary. Um, but it's really not. Um, Christians in the Bible, in the New Testament, are never called sinners. Um, it says you were sinners, but you're not a sinner anymore. Um, sometimes we sin, maybe we're not perfect, but we're not sinners. That's not, that's not who it's talking to. It's talking to people that have not yet come to the new birth. It says, change your mind, you know, believe God. Believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and make him Lord. That's what that's about. Uh, so let's go to Matthew 15. We're going to keep looking at this tonight. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. And we'll see what this really means. Matthew 15, 8. This is what it is not. It says, This people, this is Jesus Christ, well, it's Isaiah talking about these uh, Pharisees. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What does God look on? The heart. The heart. He doesn't care what you say. He doesn't care what you do, unless your heart's in the right spot. That's what he really cares about. And it's not, you know, again, you can, you can pray. You can be the most religious person in the world. These Pharisees were, you know, I think, Pat taught recently, somebody taught recently, or maybe I listened to a teaching um, where there's the record with the guy and he's praying and he's like, thank you, God. I'm just so thankful. I'm, I'm not this horrible person like this Samaritan over here. <laughs> and then the Samaritan prays and he says, you know, God be merciful unto me, a sinner. And he's justified more than the other guy. Uh, God cares about the heart. Let's go to Luke. Drawing nigh to God with your mouth doesn't necessarily matter if your heart's not in the right spot. Luke 15, 20. We're going to go to a, a few different references, a few different verses around the Bible. Um, but eventually, we're pretty much just going to get into the Psalms. There's so many records in the Psalms of David or the other psalmists going to God. They've got a problem and they go to God, and then God fixes it. It's really neat. So Luke 15, this is a record we should all be pretty familiar with. So I don't think we need to read through the whole thing. It's the uh, parable of the prodigal son, or the forgiving father. Um, let's just start in 15, 18, 17. And when he came to himself, this is the son that had wasted all his living. Dylan taught him this recently. 
When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So you can kind of, this is, puts a good picture in your head, right? You see over the hill in the desert or wherever, this son, you know, this, this guy is just walking over the hill. And the dad, the father, he's not sitting on the couch drinking a beer and watching the game. He's looking for his son. Because as soon as he saw him, he ran out to, to meet him, to welcome him back to the household. And that's what God's like for us. That when we decide, you know, it doesn't matter how far out you are, if you decide to come back, God is always there to welcome you with open arms. Um, and the reason we call it the parable of the forgiving father and not the prodigal son is that parables have one main point. Um, every single parable that Jesus Christ taught, there's one main point that you're supposed to get out of it. And the main point of this is not you can get into trouble. Like It's not just Jesus Christ telling a nice story about this guy that had a bad day. It's even though you, had a, you were in that horrible, horrible situation, God still forgives you. God still comes back to you when you draw nigh to him. So, let's go to Psalms now. Psalm 86. God's just waiting. He's just looking for us to come over that hill. All right, so Psalm 86 and verse 5. It says, For thou, Lord, art good. God's good. I like when uh, the word is very simple like that. Easy to understand. The Lord is good. Okay, cool. I got that. And ready to forgive. God's ready to forgive. He's looking for every single chance he can to forgive. And we have to remember, this is in the Old Testament. This is a prayer of David, it says at the beginning of this. This was in the Old Testament, and God was ready to forgive. He wanted to forgive so bad. He wanted to bless his people. And he's plenteous in mercy unto all of them that do what? They call upon him. God's waiting on us to move. He already moved, you know. In our case, in the New Testament, he already moved 2,000 years ago when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who went through all the trouble of fulfilling the law. He completed his earthly ministry. He died for you. He got raised from the dead. He got ascended. He sent the whole thick gift of Holy Spirit. God's been moving. We're not waiting on God to move. God's waiting on us to move. Um, I was thinking about, uh, have you ever played a game, like a card game or something, and people get talking, and it's like, wait, Nick, have you gone yet? Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, no, did you, did you go yet? <laughs> if you're not paying attention, you get mixed up, right? Yeah. But God already moved. He, he already had his turn. He's like, no, I already, I already put my card down. It's your turn now. Let's go to Deuteronomy. These magnets, right? We're talking about these magnets, the scientific laws or whatever. 
But God isn't, like, I, I brought that as a prop kind of to communicate this truth, but God isn't a magnet. God isn't an inanimate object. Like, God has feelings. He has things that he cares about. He has, like, he, he thinks he, he's alive. He's not this little thing. So we can't really justifiably, you know, characterize him. Like, you can't put God in a box. Um, God doesn't just, like these magnets, they have no will. They, they just do what they do. God's will is love. He cares about people. And what he wants is for us to choose to come to him. We have that will. We have that freedom of will. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to get to. Deuteronomy 32. Did I say that? Okay. Deuteronomy 32. What God wants more than anything in the world is a relationship with his people. Um, he could have made robots that just, thank you, Father. I love you, too. Like, that's not what a father wants. Like, Mike, when James comes up to you and he says, I love you, like, you didn't, do any, you didn't tell him to say anything. He just says, I love you, Daddy. That's the coolest thing. He's not even my kid. And sometimes he comes up to me and he says, Nick, I love you. Oh my God, oh my God. You know, that's what God's like. That's what he wants. All right, let's get back to the word. Deuteronomy 32, verse nine. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Um, that's what God gets out of life. That's the, his portion, his inheritance. Um, that's what he values in his life, is his people. That's what he cares about. And he's always wanted a people that he can love, that chooses to love him back. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. We looked at this one recently. Um, last week, we listened to a Dr. Werbel teaching where he talked about this psalm. Um, this is the Psalm of Asaph. And he was a guy that... Uh, got out of fellowship, and then he went to the Word and realized, oh, things aren't so bad for me. God really does love me. So, Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart, and my portion forever. God's portion is his people. And now what we need to do is renew our minds and make God our portion. That's what we value in life. That's what's important to him or important to, that's what we make important to us in our lives. Um, and you have freedom of will to do that. You don't have to. I mean, if you believe Romans 10, 9, 10, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you're saved and nothing's ever going to change that and you can live like the devil, you can do whatever you want. Um, you can be like the prodigal son and that's fine if you want to do that. 
but you're not going to get the blessings. You know, you're not going to really enjoy this life. And there's just so much that we can tap into, like this phone, if we go to God. Verse 27. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. If you don't want to come close to God, if you don't want to accept a God that is all-merciful, all-gracious, all-powerful, all-knowing, that's willing to give you knowledge and wisdom, you can do that. That's okay. We're not here to shove stuff down people's throats. Um, but logically, if you give up on that, like God is, is the fountain of living waters. So if you're going to go away from a fountain of living waters, you're going to perish. That's what it says. You know, you're not going to have a whole life. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it's good for me to draw near to God, to draw nigh to God, right? I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. And then let's go to... Psalm 34. That was Asaph in his experience going with God, drawing to God, which was written down by Revelation. Here's a little bit about David. Psalm 34, verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. We have, he sought the Lord, he drew <laughs> near to God, and then God helped him. You know, it's not just, we, we were looking at forgiveness, right? When you need forgiveness, you go to God and he will forgive you. This is like, I, have help, I, I need help with fear. I've got this fear problem. Um, there's these things that I'm afraid of. But he sought the Lord. He didn't just sit there and be afraid. He went to God. And God heard him and delivered him from all, all of his fears. Verse 5, they looked unto him and were lightened. Again, going to God. They looked to God. They didn't look to the things of this world. They looked unto God and they were lightened. Meaning, you know, they had, they, they got knowledge. They knew how to live their lives. They had that spiritual light. And their faces were not ashamed. Verse 6, again, it just keeps going. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Talking about Jambalaya, this poor boy, this poor boy <laughs> cried and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear God. Right? Going to God. And uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man that trusts in him. It's kind of neat. Okay. Psalm 107. This is such a cool chapter. I love this psalm so much. Um... We'll read a few verses, and then I'll, I'll get into it. All right, Psalm 107, verse 1. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Again, that's easy to remember. The Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of his enemy. And gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. So in this verse, or in this psalm, starting in this next verse, we see four different kinds of people. And we see how God delivers those four different kinds of people 
when they call on him, when they decide to go to God. So, verse 4. This first group of people, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. These are people that are lonely. These are people that don't have a home. These people are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. They don't have, like Pat shared on Sunday, they don't have that spiritual meat. Verse 6, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. This is what God did. He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. These people that didn't have a home, that wandered around aimlessly, he led them in the right way. He gave them a straight path to lead their lives. And he brought them to a home, to a family, to a city. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. This is the next group, verse 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. These are people that, you know, the bars of steel, or the, the prisons of the mind, right? Not the bars of steel, physical bars of steel, necessarily. It can be that. Um, but these are people that just all their life, they're in prisons, they're in bondage. But God makes a way out of that. Verse 13, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. This sounds familiar. And he saved them out of their distresses. Here's what he did. He brought them out of darkness and in the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Oh, that sounds familiar. And for the wonderful, his wonderful works to the children of men. And those two verses keep repeating through this psalm. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Verse 17, we see the next group. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. They draw near unto the gates of death. These are people that are afflicted with sickness. They're not healthy. That can be a real bondage. That's something that people really need help with, especially in our day and time, right? With this virus going around. It's available to get healed of that, completely delivered. 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That's what really heals people is the word. You know, a vaccine might help. I don't know. I mean, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. Some people think it's bad. Some people think it's good. I don't know. But the word is what's going to heal people. Like, if you really want deliverance in your life, the word heals you. And, you know, people speaking the word, putting the word in your minds over and over again. Uh, I think Dr. Werwell said that the grace, greatest healing he ever saw was when people believe the word, right? Or when the word uh, gets into people's lives. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. 
and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Verse 23, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth, lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven, and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. I've been here, not literally, maybe on a boat, um, but you, it seems like sometimes life has really high highs and then really low lows and really high highs and really low lows. And, you know, I, I remember in March where like every single day something bad was happening and it was like we were getting kicked every way. You know, sometimes life is like that. Verse 28, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. Um, I was going to talk about this earlier, and I forgot. Um, but we read Psalm 18 this morning. And in Psalm 18, there's the record where, you know, God's kid's in trouble, David's in trouble, and he calls on God, and then it says, like, he came out of the the sky and thundered and I, I can't remember all of it. It's crazy. It's a really cool description that I recommend that you read if you haven't read it recently. Um, but God's like, who's messing with my kid? What's going on? You know, you say, God help me. And he's like, like a lightning bolt down to help you. Really cool. 29. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. How neat is that? Then they are glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Um, you know, those highs and those lows those go in every direction. <coughs> God's will is for that to smooth out. Still, we're going to have problems, right? We still live in an imperfect world. We can have peace through it. Things don't have to affect us every moment of every day. Um, so let's... Um, we don't need to read the rest of that. Let's go back to James 4. And we'll wrap up there. You know, we've been going through Galatians recently. And uh, even those people, the Galatians, you know, they were off on some really weird doctrinal error. But God still sent them the letter by Paul. He still called them back. And the people that believed that, if, if they believed it and they changed their minds and they got the forgiveness, they're right back in fellowship without missing a beat. That's cool. That's our God. Uh, James 4, 8. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And this is a great, great example for our lives, right? That we can draw nigh to God, that we can, even though we're sons of God in our relationship with him, um, you know, our state can fluctuate. Or our, yes, our state can fluctuate. And so, you know, in those times where we're out of fellowship, we go to God, we get back in fellowship. It's great. But we have so much to give to other people, too, that where things are crazy in their lives, where they are reeling to and fro like a drunken man. We have so much to give to people. So 
uh, I love you guys. That's it. God bless you. You can't bring me down. The word is on my mind.